from analog. Hi, Jim. You've uh, created signal up here. You're five nine plus. Digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is the CQ Blind Pam's podcast. Welcome to the June edition of the CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom. This is a monthly meeting that takes place on Zoom to get into more in-depth discussions, if you will, about uh, uh, ham-related tech-type topics from a blindness perspective. If you want to learn more about uh, blind hams, and all the other ways to get into the network and how to learn about the podcast and um, even how to mute yourself before coughing. Uh, you can go to sorry www.blindhams.com, www.blindhams.com. A lot of good stuff on that website. You can also find us on YouTube because every one of these podcast, every one of these meetings is recorded and turned into a podcast. And it is uploaded to YouTube, as well as uh, your favorite uh, podcast catcher out there, Apple Music, uh, Madam A, devices, uh, Google Homes, everything just about Victor Streams, you name it. Uh, search for CQ Blind Hams, and you can uh, listen to this and many other informative uh, podcasts. So as uh, was mentioned before, this meeting is being recorded. And normally that entails having to interact with a screen that's, that makes you choose something that says got it before it lets you have access to meeting controls. But it's because it's being recorded in a different way. That's not an issue today, thankfully. So, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to be heard on this recording that will be distributed as podcast, then I guess the thing to do is to stay muted permanently. But we hope you don't do that because we like to have input and questions from everybody who's here. So at this point, if, if you're not presenting or hosting in any shape or form, go ahead and mute yourself, please, and remain muted until we open it for questions. And when we do take questions, the way it works is you, uh, you're either going to raise your hand or speak up, and you're in either way, you wait to be acknowledged before you start speaking so we don't speak over each other. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the rest of the crew here of uh, co-hosts. We have uh, Joel, W0CAS. Anything you want to say, Joel? All right. Now, if you could do that in CW. Um, it was all quiet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe Joel's uh, not hearing us at the moment. So we'll go to Robert, NC5R. Any words tonight? Well, good evening, everybody. I'm so glad you all are here. We always enjoy bringing these tech Zooms, and this promises to be a very interesting one. And I just want to say welcome, and everybody sit back and enjoy, and feel free to ask questions when that time comes. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. And Steve, WB2KTV. I'm here. Uh, nice to see a good crew. And I promise I won't cough in an inappropriate spot again. And I do have a question right off the bat. You mentioned that there's supposed to be a, a got it button to acknowledge the recording. Uh, is there any circumstance where we would not see one? Because I don't have one. 
and I also didn't hear the little voice say, this meeting is being recorded. You will right. not see one tonight because I'm recording using a, a different recording app called Audio Hijack, so you don't have to worry about it this evening. Oh, okay. Then uh, everything's cool. Yep. And let's see if Joel has managed to come back. Yeah, I had my I had my button muted. I was uh, welcome everyone to the June Tech Zoom, and uh, thank everybody for showing for showing up and participating. It's going to be a great night. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's going to be a really neat thing because I, I I've heard of this Nano VNA thing being discussed on mail lists and on the air, and the first time I heard about it, it's like, what the heck is that? Um, so I'm glad that it uh, is the topic for tonight because I will certainly be right along with the rest of you learning. So without further ado, um, let's go ahead and see if our uh, guest speaker is here tonight. Uh, Don W. Uh, uh, oh, wait. How about WA2IWC? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, before I do it, I, I always forget to introduce myself as well. I put myself at the bottom of the list here. <laughs> so uh, I'm Julian N1CA, live in Southern California. So uh, go ahead, uh, Don, take it away. All right, I'm Don, WA2IWC. Uh, some of you probably heard me on Blind Hams here and there. And um, I'm in New York City. And I was asked to give a little talk about the nano VNA uh, antenna analyzer. Uh, it's probably Gina that should be doing this because she's done a lot more than I have. But um, I have used it quite successfully a number of times. Uh, unfortunately, the demo that I really wanted to do tonight that would really, I think, bring the points home better, I really can't do because my low band antenna is non-functional and while you might think that that would be the best time to pull out an antenna analyzer in this case it's not because you know what an open circuit is an open circuit no matter where you sweep how you sweep and how many how many uh, buttons you click <laughs> your your result is pretty much the same all over the place so so it, it was kind of useless so i worked up a little bit of a demo uh using my VHF UHF Comet uh, V3, uh, which is up on my roof, about 85 feet above the ground. So the nano VNA is going through about 140 feet of coax, but that doesn't seem to bother it. So that's good. Um, what is a nano VNA? It's a little, little device you can hold in just about the palm of your hand. They usually have a tiny little screen on them for those who seem to want screens. <clears throat> None of us, I'm sure. And uh, it's good because even people that can see them really well, they're very hard to utilize because the screen is very small and there's a lot of information. So uh, the one I have is very bare bones. They range from about 50 or 60 bucks, all the way up to maybe 150. The more expensive ones, some of them have bigger displays uh, built in and they come in nice cases and so forth. But really, you don't have to spend a lot of money on one. The big difference between them 
that you do want to pay attention to is the is the frequency coverage. Uh, the cheapest ones go up to about 330 uh, megahertz. The more expensive ones, maybe instead of spending 50 bucks, you spend 80 or 90. They'll go up to about at least three gigs. So uh, we got echo coming back from somebody that needs to be muted. Uh, so anyway, we I recommend the more expensive one because then you can pretty much sweep any antenna that you're likely to encounter in your lifetime. And it's not that much of a difference in money. So usually you don't you know, pause for a second. Is that it, Angelo? Are you, uh, you got your mic on? I think it was Rob. Oh, Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, sometimes if uh, Angelo's got his own real quick, he, uh, He's got a speaker yeah. on. Yeah. So, so all right. <clears throat> um, in any case, the the I recommend the more expensive one, eighty or ninety bucks, because, like I said, you'll be able to check any antenna you're likely to encounter in your lifetime, from rubber ducks to 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 beams to dipoles to loops to half wave end feds, whatever you want to play with. You can do more than just check antennas with an with a an antenna analyzer. The nano VNA is also capable of checking uh, filters. Um, so, like a bandpass filter, you could do a sweep of the bandpass filter to look at its performance. I don't have any to play with, so I can't really demonstrate that, or else I probably would have. But it's you can do a lot with them. They usually plugs into your computer with a USB cable and it gets its power from there. Um, the software. Uh, a sighted person can use the nano VNA on its own by looking at its little tiny screen. It doesn't show normally the information on the computer screen unless you use other software. Uh, Gina, for example, has used Nano VNA Saver, which is a program that runs on the PC, and that does uh, take the data and, and put it up on the screen. The software that I'm going to show you is a lot simpler, uh, doesn't show you as much, although the developer is working on exposing more. But it shows, what it does show you is very nicely accessible and and easy to deal with and easy to use and easy to make sense of. Um, so so that's that's kind of a brief uh, description of the nano VNA. Uh, it's usually, I guess, probably a pie or something. Um, and, and that's that's basically it. So the uh, Bruce McKinnon KC1 FSD uh, was asked a little over a year ago by Frank Ventura, uh, N1FMV, who does get on blind hams once in a great while, but you don't hear him too much. He asked Bruce, would he consider trying to make the nano VNA accessible? And Bruce took it on with a vengeance, and I think he did a beautiful job. He wrote a little piece of software called Nano VNA Controller, 
And what that does is link up with the nano VNA that's plugged into your PC via a USB to serial connection. So it, it uh, the nano VNA, when you plug it in, creates a virtual COM port. So Bruce's software links up with that COM port, which it finds automatically. Very, very nice. And provides you a way to get into the nano VNA with a browser. So you can use uh, any browser except probably Internet Explorer. Um, I usually use Chrome or Microsoft Edge, and both of them work very well. Um, when you uh, when you get your Nano VNA, by the way, I, I, one part of the description I left out is there's two connectors, SMA connectors on the Nano VNA, and um, one, I guess you would consider the input and the other one you'd consider the output. But usually, if you're dealing with antennas, you, you use the one connector. Usually, if the screen is facing you from the nano VNA, it's usually on the left. If you were going to sweep a filter, uh, that's when you would use both connectors, for example, <clears throat> because you'd make a kind of a loop. So. But in the box also comes three little SMA connectors that that can screw on to the SMA connector on the left of the nano. And one is an open circuit. One is a short circuit. And one is a 50 ohm load. And before you can use the antenna analyzer, you have to calibrate it. So in the uh, nano VNA controller software and in any other piece of software that's going to talk to a nano VNA, there'll be a calibration section. And when you click on that, it will uh, ask you to put in like a starting frequency and an ending frequency. So you've got to calibrate it for each sweep that you do, which is kind of a pain in the neck, but that's just the way it is. So uh, when you put in the starting the frequency hand. and the ending frequency, then you click Angelo, uh, begin calibration. It asks you. Jason, it asks you first to put in the uh, the open circuit, then and hit enter, and then it tells you to put in the short circuit and hit enter, and then it tells you to put in the load and hit enter. And once you've done that. Uh, you hit enter again to restart. And now you can go on and start to do sweeps. So of course, you're going to hopefully sweep the same frequency range you calibrated. I actually screwed that up when I did this demo. So the results are a little bit different than you would expect, but they're good enough to get the point across. So I left it. The reason I can't do this live is because I don't I live in a studio apartment and I don't have the space to lay this stuff out on a, on a bench and and make it practical to juggle all of this uh, with just two hands. So what I did was I saved the results of my sweeps so that I could demonstrate what 
the antenna analyzer shows you because that's what's important. So okay, so now you can do with nano VNA controller, you can do what's called a simple sweep. And then you can also do a compact, a complex sweep. The simple sweep gives you less, less information than a complex sweep. But it's always good to start, I think, with a simple sweep because it gives you pretty much what you really, really want to know right off the bat. If you get some results out of the simple sweep that you don't that don't quite make sense to you, then the complex sweep may reveal more of what's going on and make those results from the simple sweep make more sense. So um, this is a simple sweep panel and the results are presented in a table. So it's very accessible. Table is 19 columns and two rows. Yes, double results column. So there you go. So now I'm in a table. 1.01, row two, beginning row. 440.00, row one. So f I did a sweep from 440 to 448, I think it was, something like that. And when you do a sweep, you put in a starting frequency, just like you did for the calibration. You put in an ending frequency, just like you did for the calibration. But you also put in uh, a step. So you can say, I want a result every 100 kc, every 500 kc, every meg, every 50 kc, every two megs. Depends on what you're really looking for to, to gauge what your antenna is doing on any given frequency. Uh, so, 1 .1, row two, 40, so now row one. on 440.0, I've got a 1.01 SWR. Column, column. If I go to the next block here, 440 .1, two. so 440.522, it actually should have been 5.0, but that's all right. I don't know why it, why I, I miscalculated, messed up something. But anyway, 440 .1, it's still 1.01. So I'm going to go to the next. 440 .1, 1 .1, and it still looks the same. It's a, it is a pretty darn flat antenna. I was amazed at how good it really is. 441.567, And the SWR seems to be staying flat. 444.7.8.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.1.
But if you want to see, if you want to see a little more about what the antenna is actually doing and why the readings are the way they are, you can look at the complex sweep. And now, so I switch the complex sweep panel. All right. Table of 10 columns and four rows. Complex sweep results. Column one, row one. VSWR, row two. Real Z, row three. VSWR, row one. 440, man, column one. 440.000, column two. VSWR, 1.02, row two. So now you see this is the same as in the simple sweep, but we have more rows added here. So I'm going to go down. Real Z, 50.10, row three. And it says Real Z, 50.10. Max Z, minus 0 0.82, row four. Imagine Mac Z, which is imaginary impedance, Real Z, Mac Z, minus 0 0.82, row four. is minus 0 0.82. So what this tells us here Real Z, VSWR, row two. is our VSWR is 1.02. Real Z, 50.10, row three. The, the antenna impedance is 50.10 ohms at this point, which is why the SWR isn't flat. That's part of the reason. But here's more of the picture. The imagined impedance has a negative value. Bottom of column. Minus 0.82. That tells you something somewhat significant here. It would make a lot more sense if this was a low band antenna. It would mean more because there's not much you're going to do about it with a VHF, UHF dual band antenna. But what this result is telling you that there's some inductive reactance at this frequency. When you see a minus value in the imagined impedance field, it means there's inductive reactance. Now, when you tune up an antenna, your goal is to have the antenna be exhibit nothing but true resistance. There should be no inductive reactance or capacitive reactance. If, if you can manage that. And then you have the perfect uh, antenna at, at, at resonance. So we'll go, Real Z, VSWR, we'll go to the next. 440, 1.1, 1 .1, and then now we're up to 1.01 uh, SWR. 50.08 ohms. So you can see the impedance is changing a little bit. And minus 0 0.70, so our inductive reactance is a little less. So we're going to keep going here. And we're back to 1.01. 50.18 ohms. And minus 0 0.62, so our inductive reactance is creeping up again. All right. So you see these things do change and they make a difference. Now, I want to get to the best match. All right. So now we have 1.01 best match. Why? The real Z is 50.24. So maybe if we look at this uh, sweep will find out that it never really gets down to 50 at all, you know, 50.0. And we have a little tiny bit of inductant of, uh, of capacitive reactance at this frequency because it's a positive value, 0 0.01. So that's probably the best we're going to do with this antenna.
So you see the uh, the uh, as we go up in frequency now the capacitive reactance is increasing. So I'm going to stop looking at this now because I what I if there's one point I want to make in this whole demo is <clears throat> especially uh, with some of you old timers there, you know we all used to use manual antenna tuners and when. Uh, I'm sure everybody could say at one time or another, gee, I tune up my uh, dipole on 75 or I tune up my dipole on 40. And for some reason, uh, I can get a good match with more than one set of settings on the tuner. So maybe, uh, you know, I, I turn down the inductance a little bit and turn up the capacitance and I tune around I get and I and I get a good match and then I uh, increase the inductance a couple of a little bit and then lower the capacitance a little bit more and I get a good match and you sit there and say to yourself but really where is the best place to to tune my tuner where should it really be for the best performance this complex sweep really gives you a good idea of what you should do with a manual tuner especially to tune up your antenna properly because when you say gee i i wonder uh why my swr is high on uh, 30 uh 3910 or something like that on on 75 meters and i know that i cut this dipole for 75 well you can look at the complex sweep and if you see you've got a lot of inductive reactance now you know that what you really want to do is decrease the inductance on your antenna tuner and maybe add a little capacitance till you get the best match where you can get all of the reactance out of the circuit or maybe it's vice versa Maybe now you look at your complex sweep and 39.10 says you've got like, you know, 5.0 uh, positive imagined impedance. Well, you know, you've got way too much capacitive reactance here. You've got to get rid of that. So now you get a better idea from the get go of how to start setting that manual tuner to get it right in the ballpark. And I think I really think that's incredibly uh, useful information myself. So now these days, a lot of people are using automatic tuners. So you say, well, who cares? Well, for the most part, you're right, because they do a pretty good job most of the time. Uh, most people don't use, utilize automatic tuners to their fullest extent either. Uh, but they do a good job most of the time. But sometimes they act a little squirrely and you don't know why and you don't know what to do about it. Well, some of the more sophisticated ones, uh, like, for example, I used to have, I don't have it anymore, but I used to have an LDG uh, AT1000 Pro. And if you study that manual carefully, it's a rather complex tuner. And if it really doesn't do what it's supposed to do when you think it should, 
you doing a complex sweep like this can tell you, give you an idea what to do with that tuner, because that tuner, you can configure it so that you can change the type of tuning network it's, it's mimicking. You can turn it into a, 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 an LC network, a PIL network, a, a, and so forth. There's actually ways, and it'll switch the coils and capacitors around. There's enough relays in there to do that. You can really get to the problem of resolving antenna issues because sometimes you you're really constricted as to what you can do with antennas. You know, everybody says the resonant antenna is the way to go. Don't waste your time with anything else. Well, not everybody has the property. Not everybody has the support structures to put up the antenna that really needs to be put up. So you got to make work with, you know, you got to make what you have work. And it's things like a nano VNA that can really give you a better handle on how to do that, given the specific antenna you're confined to using. So um, just in, in finishing this up, I don't want to drag this on too long. And I know people might have some questions. Um, the there are some other tabs in the nano VNA controller, like administration tab and status tab. You don't even really have to worry about them. The tabs in the browser that you're concerned with are the, the calibration tab, uh, the simple sweep tab, and the complex sweep tab, and you're good to go. So with that, um, I'll turn it back to the host, and maybe you, if anybody has any questions, I'll, be tr I'll try my best to answer them. I will say this is not as elaborate uh, and as nice a demo as I wanted to do. Uh, hopefully, if I get my low band antenna fixed in the next couple of months, I will spend some more time and do a real, a nicer demo to where you can see more varied results so that this makes, uh, so that this makes even more sense to you. And I also hope to get some time to fool around with nano VNA saver and Gina, I can't thank you enough because uh, I just started to look at that program a couple of days ago and wow, there's a lot in there and I'm no engineer by any stretch. So uh, it's way over my head, but, but, but one of the things that intrigues me and one of the things that Bruce McKinnon is working on, although I don't know that it'll come to fru fruition is adding time domain reflectometry to the display of the in the nano VNA controller, which I requested that he take a look at doing. And one of the reasons I wanted that is to diagnose exactly what's wrong with my low band antenna. Because if you use time domain reflectometry, you can find out how long your cable is and you can find out exactly where the break in your cable is, how many feet along and so forth. So that can be very, very useful. It's not an easy thing to do and you need a lot of information to provide to the nano VNA to make it do proper TDR. But man, that can be such a godsend. And there's a lot of other things you can find out with it, return loss and all kinds of stuff. It's so cool. So I'm hoping someday Bruce 
does get to expose that for us. But in the meantime, nano VNA saver does, um, at least to some extent. And uh, I need to take a serious look at that at some point. So with that, I'll turn it back to the host. And thanks, guys and girls. Hey, Don. Well, thank you so much. That was an awesome demo. And you know what? It was certainly informative. It was quite clear. Uh, you know, uh, it's very easy to follow along. And, and there's nothing to say that we can't have you back to revisit. Uh, maybe you and Gina could uh, kind of do it together uh, and really, uh, you know, do a presentation. So that would be awesome. So, um, do we have anybody with questions? If anybody has questions, uh, I guess the thing to do. I got hand. Okay, I see some people have raised hands here. I got so... one. But I got one also, Julian. I didn't want to raise my hand. <laughs> okay, <laughs> speak out of turn. <laughs> Don, uh, do you? How do you think the Nano VNA will work using a remote antenna tuner? So you have a vertical with a remote antenna tuner at the base of the antenna. How do you think that would work? Well, that's a good question. And that's exactly, uh, I don't have a vertical, but my low band antenna is, uh, is an oversized uh, 80 meter loop, uh, which is up on the roof about 85 feet above the ground. And it is also fed by about 140 feet of coax. And at the end of that coax on the roof is a remote antenna tuner. And that antenna tuner uh, is attached to about 15 feet of ladder line, which goes up and feeds the loop. So what I would say is because I haven't, uh, well, actually I, I, did, uh, I did do some sweeps of my low band antenna a long time ago. And basically what you do, um, and for, for sweeps, uh, other than time domain reflectometry, uh, for the sweeps, for example, that I demonstrated here today, you put the tuner, uh, you, you disable power to the remote tuner. And, and then it puts it in bypass mode. So you're as connected to the antenna as you're ever going to be. And, and then you can do your sweeps. Now, for time domain reflectometry, I'm not sure that even that may present some issues and may skew the accuracy a little bit. I'm not sure. I don't have any experience with that yet. But if I ever find out, you'll be the first to know. Thank you, Don. Awesome. All right. Um, let's see. Does somebody want to handle the hand raising? Chris had his hand up, I think, NE5V. Okay, so go ahead, NE5V. Go ahead. You need to Maybe unmute I'm, yourself, Chris. Maybe I'm wrong. Or was that any 5L? Well, that would be me. Yeah. Uh, Don, ahead, I have a, a question on when you type in your markers for your sweep, exactly how do you type that in there? Or is my brain just left me? Do you do like a 0 0.5 or do you do a, uh, exactly how do you type the marker in there? Okay, um, if, yeah, that's a, that is a little bit confusing. So the marker, what Johnny's talking about is the, how often you want a result in your sweep. 
So uh, if you put a one in that field, you're doing uh, uh, every, uh, every megacycle, every megahertz. If you put a 0.5 in that field, you're doing every 500 kc. So if you want 100 kc, you put a 0.1 in that field, just 0.1, and then it'll give you every 100 kc. That's what I did when I was sweeping my, uh, which would make sense, your 75 meter antenna. You really want markers as many as you can get because the SWR is going to change quickly. Yeah, and I believe those will do 100 markers. Most of them will take up to 100 markers. And also, one more real quick, might come with two leads, actual little SMA feed lines. Do you know when you use those and when you do not use those? Oh, okay. Um, thank you for reminding me because mine also did. It came with two, two SMA uh, cables. They both had... Uh, the same SMAs on each end. Um, I think they are the male SMAs. I always get them mixed up. Um, and mine also came with a barrel connector, so you could join them together if you wanted to. Or um, I used one of the SMA cables when I did the sweep of this Comet uh, GP3 because my Comet GP3 has a PL259 on it. So I took one of the SMA cables that came with the Nano and screwed it on the little connector on the Nano. And uh, I had an SMA to SO239 adapter and screwed that on the other end of the cable and then screwed the PL259 into that. And now I could let the Nano see the common antenna up on the roof. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that, man. Good job. Now you might you might also be able to use those cables if you had a filter that you wanted to check, a, by, a bandpass filter, a low pass or a high pass or something. Uh, if that filter had SMA connectors on each end, then you would use both of those cables to attach it to the to the nano. All right. Uh, if I'm Reading the list here correctly, I see Russ has his hands up. Go ahead, Russ. Hey, Don. Good job. Uh, one thing that I wanted to clarify, um, when you were explaining which SMA connector to use, uh, you said the one on the left. Is Are you, are you holding the, new, the, the VNA horizontally or are you holding it like in portrait mode because if you hold it in straight up and down like you would an iphone i've always used the one on the right if i use the, the connector on the left i get erratic you know i get uh, crazy results so i was wondering if you could clarify that well you know i never asked one single-sided person which way to hold the darn thing uh i just picked it up and pointed the connectors up in the air with the screen facing me and used the one on the left and it seemed to work. I believe they're numbered zero and one. And I believe you're right, Don. I believe the one on the left or the way I hold it is the other way where the connectors on the left side of the unit, the little jog wheel is on the top. 
And that's the way I think it's supposed to be oriented. So I use the one on the bottom. Right. I'm not which using it. Which would be the left. If which you would be it. the left if you yeah. held it upright like an yeah. iPhone. Yep. Yeah. And I think according to my wife, yes, you hold them where they're on the left. And you're from what I've read, you're supposed to use the top connector. Oh, well, maybe I should do my sweeps over again. <laughs> Does that be the number? Is it their number zero and one though, right, Johnny? Yeah, that's right. And you're supposed to use number zero. Uh, but I mean, if it worked with, with one, let her roll. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Another comment, though. Uh, uh, John was asking about setting the number of points on the sweep. Are there not just 50 slots? So if you, I notice if I used uh, like 0 0.001, which would be every kilohertz, you know, it would come back and say you've exceeded the number of slots, which I, I thought was 50. You try it again, so you, you back off on that number. Um, and the other thing, when you were talking about using the analyzer for uh, inductance and capacitance to to tune your, you know, to find the right setting for your uh, tuner, would you not have it connected to the tuner, then to the, you know, through to the antenna? Because it would be a real hassle going back and forth. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I would not do that. I, I would, based on the sweep of the antenna, that's what's important. You're, you're trying to find out what this antenna is doing at a given frequency and what kind of characteristics are being exhibited. So when you see by virtue of the complex sweep that you've got a lot of inductive reactants, well, then when you hook that antenna back up to the antenna tuner, you know that you want to introduce as little inductance as possible uh, into the circuit in order to get that antenna to behave. So it gives you a guideline of, uh, you know, like some, some antenna tuners have uh, a wafer switch that uh, changes taps along the coil and, um, and, and all, thereby changes, yeah, changes the inductance. So now you know, you have a better idea that you might think, well, my antenna is shorter than it's supposed to be. I probably got to add uh, some inductance to this, or maybe I got to add some capacitance to this. But the sweep really tells you what's going on. So you know, if, you got if you've got capacitive reactance at that frequency, you want to reduce it. If you've got inductive reactance in that at that frequency, you want to you want to reduce that. So that gives you at least a basic idea, just like when you tune up an amplifier, it gives you a basic idea of where to how to get into the general ballpark. And then, of course, you use the meters, the SWR meters to get it down flat. Does that help Russ? Um, I guess. <laughs> I think what I'll have to do is just try it and and see what happens. I mean, my tuner has uh, air inductors and capacitors, so it doesn't. There's no, you know, there's no relays or anything in it. So no, no, it's infinitely variable. So you and, have a roller inductor? 
No, as I said, I think they're air, they're air inductors. You know, they're the ones that have the plates that intermesh with each other as you turn yeah. them. And, yeah. And so uh, um, that's what I was wondering. It seems like it would be a lot of trial and error to find well, a different well, well, setting. Well, well, wait a minute, though. You, you have a knob that you turn for the inductance, and you have a knob you turn for the capacitance, right? Correct. So if you know which end of the dial is the least amount of inductance and which is the most and which end of the dial is the least amount of capacitance and which is the most doesn't then it give you some guideline of where to start well yeah i mean let's say that the the, the inductance uh setting or the control is on the left um and you had too much inductance and turning it counterclockwise reduces whatever way it reduces it you still wouldn't know until you actually connected the uh well you wouldn't know unless you ran it through the vna yeah unless i'm just missing completely missing you don't need to, you don't need to know exactly what you need to know is you already know now you've got to reduce your inductance so now you know what to do with that tuner when you get to that tuner, you say, I know maybe I was running this thing last week with my inductance set too high anyway. So let me start. I know I've got to reduce the inductance. Let me lower, let me start with a low inductance setting, maybe one that I think is lower than it should be. And then try to tune for resonance. And if you get resonance, then you probably have got the right match because you started out by recognizing there was too much inductance in the first place because that's what the nano told you okay i i think what i'm gonna have to do don is just actually you know try to get my hands on it and it'll probably make a little bit more sense there but yeah because i don't think you can you can i think to introduce the nano vna in the circuit with the tuner i don't know that that would I don't know that that would do you well. It might, it might, uh, it, it might, it might be just the, what the doctor ordered. But I think it's a lot more work and a lot more of a pain in the neck than you need to go through, because once you've got the basic idea from your complex sweep, you have a reasonable idea of what to do with your tuner, and now your simple power meter with with forward and reflective power and and SWR is going to tell you, uh, okay, I'm just a little out. Let me just tweak this a little more. And ah, there I am. It's flat. I'm happy. I got an answer, I think, for his other point, talking about the 50KC deal. Some banana VNAs only have 50 points. The more expensive ones go on up That's, to 100 Thank or you. 200. You're right. Okay. You're, yeah, and also there are different versions, um, and and I don't even know how you tell what version VNA nano VNA you have. I think they're up to version five now. I don't know if I might even have a one or a two, uh, but the newer versions and the more expensive ones have higher resolution, so you can have more markers. It also depends on your frequency too. I mean, if you yes. put in 440, right. 430, right. 
You yeah. know, you can't have a hundred marks, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, right. mine's about a year and a half old. I bought, you know, uh, I heard about them quite a while ago. So I'm guessing I've got the, the VNA zero, but, um, I don't think so, Russ, because I think mine is uh, is older than yours. <laughs> okay. So, well, mine's, you, you know, I think it's measured out to it has like a three-inch screen on it. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, this one has a very tiny little screen. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing I need to do is I'm going to run another sweep or another calibration with the uh, antenna on the the left, holding it upright on the left. Um to see, just to see it it seems like i did that once before and the, the readings were just out in the weeds someplace hmm. and um so i don't know well you know who knows maybe hey, yeah, yeah, have the know. zero and the which, one which, reverse which, you know like John said, whichever one works yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay don well I, I'll, I'll, let's let somebody else uh uh get in and raise their hand and see if they've got a question thanks don you're welcome all righty. Um, well, I don't think I see any other hands raised. So does anybody have a question? If you're not able to get the hand raising thing figured out, uh, go ahead and uh, uh, state your name or your uh, suffix or something like that. And we can try acknowledging you that way. Somebody just raised their hand, but I missed it. Again, uh, can you all say where to get this software and if there's a link or anything? Blindhands.com. They have it there. You go yes. where where you always go. Blindhams.com. Okay. There you go. A one BZD. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, BZD. Yeah. For some reason, when I went to to more to go raise my hand, I got emojis, and I don't know why. But um, <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to add, um, well, I say two little things, is what the nano vna is actually doing for a normal sighted person it's showing on the screen graphs of of the different um the different things that it can measure but what bruce's software did for us it's giving us the data points so if we put enough markers in there we can make a picture as we go through the numbers in our in our mind or um, as we read the data points, we can go through the, the look at the data points and draw the picture in our mind as to what that antenna is really doing. Yeah, you can see the dips by watching right, the numbers exactly. go down. Exactly. Or go up in, in whatever, you know, however your antenna is operating. And the other um, thing I wanted to say was, I think on the blind hams uh, list, I I emailed all of the information. I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. So it's also in the emails too. Yeah, Bruce uh, McKinnon uh, does have a GitHub page. Um, but honestly, put that it, you, link all up on it. Yes. On yeah. So if you dig back on blind hams, you can find that. Um, and also they'll always be up on blind hams anyway, because 
you know, um, people that have worked with Bruce, usually we're going to know when he comes out with something new. Uh, so we'll make sure that Blind Hams knows about it. Yeah, and Gina has uh, put me in a mail uh, thread with Bruce, and uh, I think he's agreed to do a demo of his software and talk about it. Maybe we'll do a tech Zoom with him or or at least do a roundtable at the least. Guys, y'all take care. It's been a great meeting. I've got to get out of here, go to work early in the morning. Don, great job, my friend. We'll catch you in the morning. Thanks, Johnny. Take it easy. 7-3, Johnny. All right. Anybody else with uh, any questions, comments? Uh, again, either raise your hand or throw out your name or your suffix or some way. One other, one other comment. One other BZD. One other comment. Yeah, go ahead, BZD. Um, Bruce does a very good presentation on the Nano VNA because he's got the whole history of it and how it started and all the different things that it can do. And he's got a really nice um, uh, slide presentation. So that would be a really good thing for, um, for a Zoom meeting. We're going, we're going to get in touch with him and uh, figure out what we can do and let him know that we probably won't be able to see the slides, but whatever he could do to describe them would be helpful. Well, some people will. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, well, see, the thing is, he has everything in a PDF, so he can probably put the PDF up somewhere where we can get oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. Before we move on, any other questions, comments? Terrific, John. Uh, terrific job. Great job, Don. Great job. Appreciate yeah, you. Thanks, Don. Me. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, this is really a good presentation. Um, okay. So, um, I guess that the uh, next thing here on the list is where we decide what the next meeting is going to be about. So I think. Uh, I think Gina know. has a hand raised, uh, Julian. Oh, go ahead, Gina. Are you muted, Gina? There we go. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't. Un Hard there to swipe go. on an iPhone, isn't it? <laughs> oh, right. Thanks, uh, Don. I did learn a uh, lot uh, from it. But from the uh, comments uh, people have made, I would make the point, and I, and I thought I might raise it with uh, Bruce, it's great to be able to plot a number of points, but remember what it's doing on this screen and how you've got to manipulate your screen reader to get that data. It's putting them in columns, so it's going horizontally across the screen. So can you, can you imagine... Uh, navigating a screen reader across a hundred points from column to column to column to column. That's a pretty hard uh, navigation to do and to focus on um, trying to uh, picture all that plotting in, in your mind and 
navigating like that, it's a pretty hard way to go. Uh, I don't know if if the table could be reversed and have the uh, data plotted in rows. I don't know if that would be easier, or maybe it may be the same, but I don't know if a browser would struggle because you're going across the screen. Um, so I don't, I don't know what other people, uh, more experts in using uh, screen readers would uh, actually uh, feel about, about that. <clears throat> um, but uh, the, also I've got comments about the, uh, the nano VNAs. Uh, Ian's been telling me that they are all styles and all shapes. So comparing one against another uh, isn't really that helpful. It is port or channel zero. And on the uh, modern one that I've brought, if, if you lay it on, on desk, so the screen's facing up and have the side with the power button and the raucous nudge wheel uh, on, on the top of it, the left-hand side does have the two ports and it's the top one of those two. But if you held that like a mic, uh, like an iPhone with the two ports sticking up, that would be on the right-hand side. So uh, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule of how you can actually identify which port to use. Um, best to really, I guess, use um, Ira or uh, Be My Eyes to see if they're marked as channel zero, uh, which is really what, 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 where you want to do your uh, uh, antenna calibrating with. Um, uh, I have done a walkthrough, the uh, a suggestion of how to install a uh, nano controller. And uh, Bruce is uh, really uh, enthusiastic to, to move the hat, the, uh, to add to the app, as uh, Don's already suggested, um, the different uh, elements that, that we want to uh, measure and I think he's going to be adding some. Uh, there's issues around the um, serial port selection. Um, Don, I think uh, I would suggest that uh, everyone looks on the um, admin tab of NanoController just to double check that uh, the Nano VNA is on the right port. Um, you can, if you listen to my demo, um, the DOS window that it uh, opens up when you activate the app uh, usually does display the port where it's found um, the, the nano controller, but you know it, it might not um, you might not have the right um, port selected uh, within the app. So you do need to double check that that's. Uh, um, configured properly because you don't want to do a sweep and everything and then find that you're actually not talking to the nano vna in fact it might be a good idea for me to to uh, set that wrong and see what happens and how quick you know that uh, uh, the vna is not talking to the computer oh, yeah, you, are... will, you will know <laughs> you will <laughs> yeah yeah but it, it did seem because uh, when i spoke to uh, Chris, I think it was, uh, he, he said, he, you know, he was very concerned about uh, the uh, serial port selection, but it doesn't, 
I agree with you, Don. It, 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 it seemed pretty straightforward. I'll tell you, Gina, uh, when really, I plug in um, my Nano VNA, my computer, and it surprised the heck out of me, but my computer immediately announces uh, uh, Nano VNA or whatever connected on COM4 or whatever. That's even before I run Bruce's software. And then right. when I run, yeah, and then when I run Bruce's software, the controller, it verifies, it says the same thing. Uh, we found COM3, we found COM4, we found COM5, and we found the nano VNA on COM4. And it's so, so I, I, that's one of the reasons I said that because it, it's, it's, I, I do a lot of work with USB devices and serial port and parallel port emulators and, and I'm I'm amazed at that. I've never seen a device quite do that. Yeah, is this version four you're running? Are you the the latest uh, controller? Yes. Uh, I think yeah. I think I'm running the latest. Yes, uh, but it's always done that for me, even before he came out with oh, this okay. version. All right. Okay. I think when he first came out with it, I had to set it. But it seems like after that, after a while, that yeah. wasn't necessary anymore. Yeah. And um, in respect of identifying the different calibration caps, um, the, the sole kit, uh, again, it appears that they vary in design too. And um, hopefully the open one will be uh, have no sensor pin. Uh, on the on the underside, so then that just leaves you the two, um, uh, the short and the fifty ohm load to I distinguish between. And Colin uh, on blind hands list suggested that the fifty ohms one, the top rotates on it if you hold the body of it uh, around the hexagon part of it, you can rotate the top of the fifty ohm one. Whereas the short seems to be just one solid unit. Um, but Ian assures me that that is not so with all of them. So uh, the best way to tell between those two is really just to do a sweep. And if you get realistic results, then you've got the 50 ohm load. If it's uh, 500, 600 to one, then I think you've got the short on there and you need to swap it. Um, I could tell, I could tell the fifty. In, I could tell the fifty K one Bz E by weight. It was um, heavier. Yeah, and you can also Maybe see it's a little your, bigger. Yes, not necessary. Not in every set. Apparently, they vary. Different manufacturers are, are producing them in a different way. So. Um, but I, I think you're probably right. Um, in in my case, the, yes, the 50 ohm one is is heavier than the short. But uh, um, Ian's set, I believe, uh, he he says that the, the short is the tallest one and the heaviest one. Oh, for Pete's sake! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. But it's, it's, you know, like everything we do within radio, isn't it? It's a bit of trial and error, really. Gina, are they the identified color? by color for sighted people? Or, or are they um, labeled? Uh, th this is something else as well. 
uh, I watched the YouTube video and the guy says that you can easily identify the short because it's silver, silver, short, S for S. Ian turns around and says, no, the 50 ohm one is silver in my set. Oh, so, my God. You just can't get it. Don't you just a, love consistency? Yeah, my tall one <laughs> yeah. has a spinny cap on the top like uh, somebody said a few minutes ago. Yeah, that's what mine and is. I think that's the load on yeah. mine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what Collins said. Yes, the one with the spinning top is the load. But then, as I say, Ian said to me, well, no, his short even spins as well. Wow. So, <laughs> man. Oh, but so that, that dis <laughs> Yeah, that shouldn't discourage anybody from trying it. They're marvelous devices. And I really appreciate Don's uh, explanation of um, Real Z and uh, Imaginary Z because uh, I didn't know it by those tone, um, terms. And uh, when I think Don heard the, or when I asked on Blind Hands, what, uh, what was it, Series L and Series C is exactly the same. Is that right, Don? Yeah, right. Series L is inductance and Series C is capacitance. Um, and so I, I would assume from looking briefly at Nano VNA Saver that that's the Series L would be imaginary and uh, or Series L or C would be the imaginary impedance. Uh, but but um, it's interesting because uh, the, the way they show it in, in Nano VNA Saver, everything is broken out into separate values, which is really the way to do it. Uh, in the way it's done in the controller, you have real and imagined impedance. And if the imagined impedance is negative, it's inductive. If it's positive, it's capacitive. But I think in the saver, you can see the values for both. So I guess if everything is perfect, L is zero and C is zero. Right. But I don't know okay. that because well, I haven't played with it enough yet. Yeah. I mean, I must have done some of this um, theory and, and these terms to to get my license but so it's been so that. long time ago yeah. and when you can't sort of um you know test anything because you haven't got any accessible equipment then you tend to forget it don't you so i'm really enjoying the learning experience because i've always been fascinated i've always made uh, antennas of uh, some kind and you know, it's been potluck, but now we've got test equipment that we can use. It's uh, it's amazing. So I am um, working on an, another walkthrough um, of version four of Nano VNA controller at the moment. And um, the one uh, that I've done for version three is uh, pretty good. So that's, I hope everyone uh, who's attended this Zoom call will go and grab and have a listen to that. And as I say, think about, you know, how many um, your step size, your, your plotting points, um, because, you know, you, you've got to navigate that um, horizontally on a table and uh, build up with a small amount first and then just extend it. Do, you know, do it in several chunks rather than in one so that, uh, uh, if, you know, if, if you're ch checking the whole of the uh, 
HF band, that's going to be some task um, to, to do it. Um, obviously do it by band by band, I would have thought. Eight, well, 75 meters you guys use, etc. Anyway, great, great, great call, uh, uh, great, great Zoom call. And uh, I think I, I'm going to crawl off to bed. <laughs> Good morning, right. Gina. Dream about dipoles. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, yard is. Sometimes that could be a nightmare. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah, you know, and, and I, it looks to me like I think we're going to be revisiting this in a future tech Zoom if uh, Gina and Donald come back and join us again because, boy, there's a wealth of knowledge right there. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, you know, if, the thing that always got me about the, the, uh, the three uh, things that they give you is what's the sense of putting an open uh, cap on it when you can just test it with no cap at all, it's still. An I open. was going to ask that question. I was a little too embarrassed. <laughs> Thank you, Angelo. I mean, there's nothing in that cap. Yeah, I wonder I, if it's stray RF or something like that that it's trying to shield out. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know, sense. but there's got to be something to it because you know the bean counters would eliminate that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, that's a nickel, I could have said. Exactly. So, you got that right. <laughs> yeah, so there's got to be something to it. So I always put it on, but every time I do it, I'm like, why don't I just leave it off? <laughs> <laughs> and I just fight morally with myself, and I lose every time and put it on. <laughs> but you don't rip the rip the tag off your she, uh, of your mattress either, do you, Don? No, no, I don't, <laughs> Joel. Under penalty of law. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, before we uh, wrap this up here, at least the uh, the formal uh, podcast portion of this, uh, does anybody else have any questions or brief comment they want to make? All right. Hearing none. Uh, everybody... Uh, stand by because we're going to vote for the next month's discussion but just to wrap up the uh, recorded portion here uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in and uh, listening to the cq blind hams tech zoom uh, as always you can go to www.blindhams.com to learn about the blind hams network and uh, avail yourself of many resources that are up on that page and of course uh, find uh, cq blind hams on youtube and cq blind hams on any podcast uh, catcher of your choice seven three and we'll catch you all on the next one seven three everybody don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhams.com